we've, we've already prayed a, a, a couple times, but, you know, it is a joy of my life. It, it really is a joy. I felt called to preach in 1997. Like, I just felt like a deep passion. Like, I would give anything if I could preach the word of God. Like, um, I'd met Jesus uh, around that time. Rugby t- I was on the rugby team at the University of Northern Iowa, and God used that experience to, to allow me to experience him in a totally different way than I ever thought I would truly believe he's God, he is our savior. And I really, I was a computer programmer for John Deere for a while, for uh, John Deere Financial. And um, I was just like, there's nothing I would rather do than preach the word of God. And it would be uh, 22 years (laughs) from that moment that actually I was able to preach on a consistent basis. And so um, it does feel like a dream come true to be able to stand up here. It's the hardest thing I've ever done because... uh, um, uh, one guy in the 1800s said, I tremble every time I walk up here. Uh, now, fear of public speaking is a real thing, right? Um, he's like, it has nothing to do with that. It's that a human is standing up to speak of God. <laughs> that is a, uh, uh, a weighty thing uh, to be able to have the opportunity to do that. And I would love to just pray that, um, pray into that if that's okay. Um, Lord, I need to hear from you today. I need to hear your voice into my soul today. I hear messages throughout the week from other people. I hear messages all the time from my own inner thoughts. And I desire for your voice to be the loudest, clearest voice I hear And I believe that my friends in the room feel the same way. Father, would these words from your word be empowered by you so we don't hear some joker behind a stand, but that we truly hear you. That we'd know beyond a shadow of doubt that we are hearing you. We're hearing, and in hearing you, would we be changed? Would we not play at church? Would we not just be about putting appearances, if, if hearing from you means that we're a slobbering mess and people are staring at us, I want to hear from you at that level. And maybe that would encourage all of us to hear from you at that level. So Lord, would we be changed this morning? Would this fifth chapter of Genesis be a catalyst in our lives for real change? The deeper stuff that actually changes the course of our lives, our thoughts, our feelings, our actions. Jesus, by the access that you've given us, we pray confidently in your name. Amen. So have you ever felt a burning passion to read the genealogy sections of Scripture? Have you ever been like, you know what I could really use? A good genealogy. So verse 1 of chapter 5 says, This is the book of the generations of Adam when God created man. He made man in the likeness of God, male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. So a little background even in these verses. Um, In the Hebrew language that Moses is writing in, 
Um, there's a word that uh, is, I don't speak Hebrew fluently, so I would, as an English speaker, say it's toledot, is how you pronounce it. Probably not exactly how you pronounce it, but toledot. And whenever you see Moses write toledot, he's saying, I'm, I'm starting a new section of the book. So in the book of Genesis, there's 10 toledots in the 50 chapters of the book. And so chapter 5 starts the second toledot section. And um, at the beginning of this section, so it's kind of like Moses is like, it's kind of like Act 1 closes. Act 2 starts. And so at the beginning of Act, Act 2, it's interesting to see what's being highlighted again. And so one of the things that's being highlighted again is that mankind is made in the image of God. And we would not know that if we just sat on a porch with a pipe and just stared at the sky and tried to think deep thoughts. <laughs> like, we would not know that. It wouldn't occur to us that we are actually made in the image of God. And God speaks this to us multiple times so that we would know it, that we'd know that people are the most valuable things on earth. One person, I can say, without even getting to know you, if you're someone I don't know, is that you are more valuable than all the money on earth combined. One person made in the image of God. You are made in his image, in his likeness. Male and female are unique and both uniquely reflect the likeness of God. And then it's interesting that verse two mentions male and female, but then also names them both man. So that's not an interesting gender statement. Um, that, is, that is saying male and female are, are totally unique and are both equally a part of mankind. So all of the damage that we've seen in chapter 3 and chapter 4, all the damage of the fall of rebellion against God is not mentioned at the beginning of this Toledot section, which is noticeable. And then it says, Adam lived 800 years after fathering Seth. He had other sons and daughters. All Adam's days were 930 years. And then it said, and he died. Might quickly pass over that, but we shouldn't pass over that. Adam died. The curse of the rebellion against God has led to the first human dying. And it is striking how long he lived. It really is. It's like, was there one too many zeros added to that number? Um, remember that when Adam was made, he was made to live forever. So the mechanics of his body were not on an 80-year, 90-year clock. He was designed to not die. And so originally, it wasn't that death was going to have to happen after 80 or 90 years. But what we see even here right after the fall is that death is certain. But instead of the 80 or 90 years, it's more like an 800, 900 years thing. 
And we're going to see there's a very clear time where this changes intentionally by God. Um, but but we, we, it's striking they live this long, but it should not be like, oh, that can't be. I can't believe that. We can fully, with all of our, all of our mental reasoning, embrace that. And I think it actually makes sense. It's not our experience, but it's not, it's not outside of the, the bounds of reason. And then the striking reality in verse 5 that Adam died. And then this starts a pattern, okay? So don't look at genealogy so much as like a, ah, look at it as like, what's a pattern? What am I seeing here? And there's a pattern that we're going to see in these next many verses. So verse 6, when Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Canaan. Enosh lived after he fathered Canaan 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enosh were 905 years and he died. When Canaan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahalalel. Canaan lived after he fathered Mahalalel 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Canaan were 910 years and he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. Mahalalel lived after he fathered Jared 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years and he died. So we're getting what kind of the forest view of what's happening in this chapter is we're getting a link between Adam and Noah. Noah is where we're heading for the next several weeks. It'll be the first big narrative story of the book of, of Genesis. Um, and these verses here in five, if, if we didn't have a commitment to preach through books of the Bible, there'd be a temptation to be like, let's get to the good stuff. And maybe we'll, uh, we'll take a flyer on, on not going through chapter five. But we're believing that every single word is for our transformation and change and intimacy with God. And, and so we're going there on every, every word. And I think one thing that we should embrace in verses 6 through 17 is the cycle of living and dying. Because that is our formula too. We easily live as if we're trying to live forever here. And I think let yourself enter into what if you had three verses about your life? And what if people yawned at the reality of your living, your years, your children, and you died? They came, they came into this world, and they went. And most don't really even care to even take the time to read about it. Um, and I'm, this isn't me trying to shame us for like <laughs> distaste of genealogies. I think it's just a reality of life. <clears throat> that um, their lives may feel boring. And uh, my evidence for that is that no one ever told me how excited they are to read these verses. And uh, let's realize, though, that these people lived. It does say they lived. They are image bearers of God who lived and each experienced the curse of death. 
And we, let's be a people who can gain wisdom even in these verses. And then I think it's a good question of, do you want your life to be more than just, here is someone who lived, here's how long they lived, then they died? And is there even a way for the formula to be broken? Is there a way for this formula to be broken? No matter what your things on your resume may be, I think these, some of these people probably had significant resumes, but it kind of didn't make it to <laughs> noteworthy level um, is there a way to break the formula? Even in Genesis 5, is there a way to break the formula? Because preview of coming attractions, the, pre, the formula gets broken in this chapter. And we need to see it. We need to see the formula, and then we need to see how it's broken. And not just see it with our eyes, but see it with our lives. So let's continue in verse 18, with, and we're going to see the same formula again, and then we're going to see what breaks the formula. Verse 18, when Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after, after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God. Okay, hold on a second there. That's not mentioned in the formula. So that, just reading verse 22 should be like, what's going on here? I was kind of getting lulled into this pattern and the pattern is not happening here. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Verse 23, thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And then if you missed it in verse 22, Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Him and Elijah are the only two people that we know of who were actually transported to heaven. And it doesn't mean if we walk with God, we're gonna be transported to heaven, but this is breaking the formula. It doesn't even say he died. It's that noticeable that he doesn't even say he died. And it's so encouraging to me. Remember that song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love, take my heart, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. And you're like, man, I would love if God did that for the next 40 years of my life. I would love if, if I walked with him closely for the next 40 years with all the suffering and all of my sin and all the pain in this world. Could I walk closely with him? Look how long he walked closely with God. 300 years. Not in a vacuum. This is in a, a time in history that is going to actually, the whole world has to be wiped out because it has become so deeply evil. And for 300 years, he is not a choir boy in church. He's a real person in a real life walking with God. And I want that. I want that for me. I want that for my kids. I want that for all of us. And you can say, what does that look like to walk with God? 
What does it look like to walk with God in that way? And there's a bunch of verses we could go to. I, I'm kind of weird this way. I like to just, I, I like looking at those verses and we, I need to look at those verses, but I also love to see what other people who are not a part of my world at all, how they thought about this. So I came across a guy from Scotland in the 1700s. Not my world, not my place, not my time. He loved Jesus. He had the Holy Spirit inside of him. And he chewed on Genesis chapter 5 and was like, how, how does this walk with God thing work? And so these are not biblical. This isn't inspired words from God. Um, but this is a guy who walked with God himself uh, who wrote this. Uh, it's a little lengthy, um, but I think worth it. Uh, Enoch walked with God because he was his friend and liked his company, because he was going in the same direction as God and had no desire for anything but what lay in God's path. We walk with God when he is in all our thoughts, not because we consciously think of him at all times, but because he is naturally suggested to us by all we think of. As when any person or plan or idea has become important to us, no matter what we think of, our thought is always found recurring to this favorite object, like guys who are into hunting in the fall. It's just like, it's hard to get it out of your head. You know, it's just your thoughts keep coming back because it's really, that's a thing that you've been looking forward to. And I love how he says, our thought is always found recurring to this favorite subject, object. So with the godly person, everything has a connection with God and must be ruled by that connection. When he falls into sin, he cannot rest till he has resumed his place at God's side and walks again with him. This is the general nature of walking with God. It is a persistent endeavor to hold all our life open to God's inspection and in conformity to his will. A readiness to give up what we find does cause, to give up what we find does cause any misunderstanding between us and God. We want to give that up. A feeling of loneliness if we have not some satisfaction in our efforts at holding fellowship with God. A cold and desolate feeling when we are conscious of doing something that displeases him. It is easy then to understand how we may practically walk with God. It is to open to him all our purposes and hopes to seek his judgment on our scheme of life and idea of happiness. It is to be on thoroughly friendly terms with God. Things were not made easy to Enoch in evil days with much to mislead him, with everything to oppose him. He had by faith and diligent seeking, as the epistle to the Hebrews says, he's mentioned in Hebrews 11, Enoch is, to cleave to the path on which God walked often left in darkness, often thrown off the track, often listening but unable to hear the footfall of God or to hear his own name called upon, receiving no sign, but still diligently seeking the God he knew would lead him only to good. And I know that's long, but I think it's beautiful, deep, um, I, th I thought we would send that out in Happenings this week, too, if you want to chew on it a little bit more of just one, one man's thought on walking with God and what that even means for us. But it truly is a 
walk. We don't sprint with God. Sometimes he takes us in seasons of sprinting, but um, it is a persistent, continual, into every nook and cranny. You know, I can't be like, hey, yeah, we're walking together, but ignore this part of my life. Not ready to go there with you. Not here, not here, not here. That, that, he's gracious to just, okay, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that when you're ready to get to that. But I'm here to walk with you through all of that. And imagine us being a people who walk with God as he leads us where only he can lead us, takes us to the only, only places that he can take us. Then verse 25, we go back to the formula. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. When Lamech, and if you remember when we talked about the family line of Cain, there was a Lamech who bragged about killing, he bragged to his two wives about killing a young buck guy and, uh, and was just really sinful about all of that. This is a totally different Lamech. So these are two different people from different generations. Um, so when this Lamech, who's descended from Shem, uh, or from Seth, uh, when Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah. So this is Noah's dad, Lamech. And this is what he says about his son. Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. After Noah was 500 years old, which is different than a lot of them, so a long time without kids. After Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And that will take us down a different road. Uh, but at the end of chapter 5, where we're at right now, his father Lamech says Noah will bring relief from the curse. And it, it, it happens. The things that happen in Noah's life bring relief from the pain of the ground in a very incomplete way. What Lamech says is not wrong, it's true, and it's incomplete. Noah is a shadow of Jesus. In the book of Hebrews, we're told that Jesus is the better Moses. We're told that Jesus is the better Jonah. We're told that, and then it's, it's clear here that Jesus is the better Noah. The relief that Jesus brings is lasting. He is the better Noah. He is the one that is inviting us to walk with him to walk with God. And I think the, just a clear, through maybe the fog of some things in our life, I think a, a question for us that I'd love for us to talk about in our community groups this week too, is what would need to change in your life to have your life more defined by the phrase, you walked with God? No, there's no shame, there's no, no condemnation. Jesus didn't come to bring condemnation. That, that was not, he, he came to bring freedom. 
to bring salvation. Um, and so when we're dealing with a question like this, it's, a, it's, a, it's our Savior who is beckoning us forward, not to hide in a corner um, and get people to leave us alone and isolate ourselves, but it's to step into the light. It's to step towards each people. It's, to, it's each other to step towards Jesus and say, I want to walk with you more closely. I, I do want my life to be characterized by, I want my life to break maybe the formula of generations and to say, this is a person who walked with God with the emphasis on God, like he will get all of the credit and those walking with God would not want none other way than for him to get the credit of our ability to walk with him. And what would need to change for our life to be more defined by the phrase, you walked with God. And not said by other people. This is what I love too. It's not said by people who, like, have a partial view of a person's life. This God empowered Moses to write these words, and God knew not just, he, he looks at the inside as well as the outside. So if God declares, this person walks with me and has walked with me for 300 years, um, he's the only one in the room that could actually make such a true statement, so for him to make such a true statement of us and of our lives and what it would look like for us to shine brightly in such a way, um, what would God need to do in our lives for this to be more true of us? And I think a, a question that is an honest question is, do we desire this? Because sometimes my prayer is like, I know I should be sitting at the edge of my seat so badly wanting to be like, oh God, me, 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 be, do that in me. But if it's like, but if I'm not feeling that way, why am I not feeling that way? What is happening in here, in here, in what is happening for me to not even desire that? And that's, a, that's an honest place to start and an honest place of prayer and an honest conversation with God and with each other. And this is not a like, if that's not you, you need to get out the door. It's like, that's why we're in this room. That's why we're a church together. That's why we're an island of misfit toys, I feel like, uh, pursuing Jesus together. Is because uh, a lot of times we don't feel that way. And that's why the word of God is so important to, to fuel in us. You know, we might have a few coals, but he wants to, to really get the BTUs going inside of us. And, um, and if you do deeply desire that, that is a gift. That is from him. And that is an invitation. All in. And so for some people, it's like, okay, what does it look like to walk with him? And I think that first step sometimes can be a prayer. Would I just desire that? Would I desire to walk with you? Um, the next step could be like, oh, I do desire to walk with you. Um, what do I need to do here? And it's like an incredible step is actually giving your life to him. Salvation is what that is called. Is being born again is what that's called. It's, it's such a radical thing, walking with him. It could feel like 
someone's taking you home from the hospital. <laughs> like, you've been born anew. You are a new person on a new journey, a new life, and everything is changing. And, and that is what John chapter 3 is talking to. Jesus is having that conversation with Nicodemus, and we are in that same invitation. All who call in the name of the Lord will be saved. So salvation, giving your lives to Jesus. Like, I would love for, if anybody's like, I don't know if I've done that. I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know what that is about. I would beg of you, don't walk out that door with those same questions. Like, like this is why if we need to stay here for six hours afterwards, I am, I'm, I'm up for that. Um, because it's that important. And I would love for you to have the joy of meeting your Savior today. Another step could be, okay, I know I've given my life to Jesus. I know I've had God do really beautiful things in my life. And then it kind of felt like I kind of started going this way, and, and he, he didn't ever take steps away from me, but I felt like I just kind of, in a few areas of my life or in, a lot of area, or in all areas of my life, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to walk with him. And um, Colossians 2 6 through 7 tells us, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, the one in charge of your life, as you received Christ Jesus, your Lord, the Lord, so walk in him. Walk with him. That preposition is, is a full preposition. Walk in him, with him, through him, for him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, and abounding in thanksgiving. He might take us to really scary places in our story where he's taking us, the cost of where he's taking us, and um, what a beautiful thing where it's like, man, I would be totally freaked out in this place that I'm at. Walking with him, though, I've actually got a little bit of thanksgiving percolating, <laughs> bubbling up into the surface and, um, and so what is beautiful, I, I don't feel like there's like a nice bow tied to this sermon um, and like put together real nicely and stuff, but Jesus does some of his finest work over a meal. You know, I mean, it is kind of, I mean, it's just, I think true of just kind of the way he designed community. It's just like, come, have a meal. And then over a meal, he does um, transformative things, changes us. And, um, and so him doing great work over a meal, he restored Peter who had walked away from him. He restored Peter back into Peter being all in. Just, have you ever done a trust fall? <laughs> oh man, talk about the, the winter weekend. I think our first winter weekend, wasn't it? Oh gosh. Uh, we, I, I'm like a grown man, right? And I'm, I feel like I'm courageous and I'm standing at a place and I'm, I'm probably like this high off the ground. So, I mean, if nobody caught me, I think I'd be okay. It's outside, it's a dirt ground, you know. But what's behind me, I think Nick was behind me, I think. So, but was all like middle school boys for the most part. I think there's some high school too. But it was a few years ago, so most of our high schoolers now were middle schoolers. And I just remember being like, I'm not that light, you know? And I'm, can I just go all in? And 
are these, you know, like, I'm, I felt like I'm stronger than, not Nick, but most of the other people, you know, and I just didn't know if, like, I was going to, and no joke, it was the scariest thing. Like, I just, I was like, I can't, like, start crying here. I can't, like, I got I to gotta man up here, you know, like, I'm, I'm struggling about a four-foot-tall trust fall, you know, and, uh, and just going for it, and then having those guys hold me up. Um, was, you know, you joke about like a trust fall in a corporate retreat or something, you know, but like, man, I was real. It was, I was really scared and I was really relieved when I was caught. Um, and I just feel like there's just a, Jesus has caught many of us hundreds of times. He really has. He's caught so many of us hundreds of times and it just still feels so stinking scary to just, just fall into him. And, um, and I think as we come to the table, I just would love for us to fall into him over a meal. And if you haven't, for the first time, fallen into his arms, his nail-scarred hands that were done that way for you, that would you do that? Would you give your life to him? And then would you come to the table? And then for those who maybe a hundred times have fallen into him, maybe spend a little bit of time just asking him, what is the one fall today that I need to just let you catch me? And, um, and do that. And so uh, come down the center uh, when you're ready. Um, what Nick and I think Braden are going to be serving you. Braden's a dear brother that loves Jesus that, uh, from out of state and um, they would love to serve you the meal and take the elements, the bread, wine, juice, obey your conscience there, and then rem- keep the elements, uh, and then we'll take it together as family. So let's, uh, let's fall into him.